name something that follows the word pork. You pie. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> you pie. Pork you pie. <laughs> he said, Cupine. Cupine. What? What is Cupine? <laughs> this is the greatest answer I've ever heard. <laughs> No, I feel you. Number I one. feel you. It's number one. Oh, my mama. Oh, pow. Cupid! That's fantastic. I love those clips. I love the whole concept of Family Feud. It does really give a great snapshot of just all the emotions of family. I just love what's happening uh, over the last few weeks here at Crossroads and where we're heading today. Uh, the reality is we've been talking about a lot of really important things. We've talked about the importance of breaking the cycle in our families. If you're in a situation where you realize my family is not where I want it to be, you have the chance right now, this is your moment to break the cycle. As for me and my family, we are are going to serve the Lord. That's a moment that can change everything. It can change the entire trajectory for the future of your family. We can do that. We can do that right now and we can do that together. It's really important. Uh, we talked about how we have a better marriage. A couple weeks ago, we had Lamoris Crawford. Anybody want to just say thanks to Lamoris Crawford for coming out and doing what he did? What a fantastic day that was. It's always a pleasure to have him with us. And he spoke to us about loving selflessly, loving each other with the same love that God has for us and fighting for our marriages. You guys, we've got to fight for our marriages. Our marriages are the foundation for our families and a strong marriage is gonna trickle down and, and make your family stronger. It's gonna pass that legacy of faith onto your kids. It's so important that we lean into building that relationship. Last week, we talked about the beautiful moments. And honestly, it seems like the easiest thing is like, oh, okay, whatever. But the reality is if we don't stop to capture and to celebrate and to cherish the beautiful moments, we miss out on an opportunity to recognize God's faithfulness. And through the journey of life, it's pretty amazing to know that when you experience something difficult, if you've cherished and you've celebrated those beautiful moments that God has given you, you recognize, hey, God was faithful then. And when I'm going through this difficult moment, there's that realization that he will be faithful now. And I want to encourage you today as we dive into this next session here of Family Feud, the idea here that we're leaning into today is that God is in your broken dreams. So this one gets a little heavier. This one's a little bit more difficult to navigate because this one gets personal. It's that question that we have to ask ourselves, what happens when life doesn't play out the way that I thought it would? What happens when I experience the loss of a loved one, or my marriage is struggling, or things just aren't going well, I've lost my job, the dreams that I had been focused on have just not come to fruition. Life has not turned out the way that I thought it would. How do I navigate the broken dreams? Where is God when everything falls apart? And I want to encourage you today with this reality. Just remember this as we unpack what we're about to walk through that even when you're walking through the darkest valley, it says in Psalm 23, I will fear no evil. Why is that? Because God is with us. He is with you. And I want to encourage you today that if you are walking in a broken dream right now, 
I want you to know that, that God is with you. He is actually in your broken dream. And today the challenge is, will you just be willing to surrender that broken dream to Jesus? Because he's here, he's faithful, he hasn't left you, he hasn't forsaken you. And I want you to know that God is the one who redeems our broken dreams. He can, he can do it. He is the one who brings dead things to life. He is the one who changes everything. And I want you to know today, just without a shadow of a doubt, that God is with you. He is in your broken dream. And so I just ask you to think about what is it in your life, what broken dream do you need to surrender to Jesus? So here's the thing. In John chapter 11, we see a story of Jesus that is actually deeply personal. This is a story of Jesus and some of his closest friends. And we experience with Jesus a terribly broken dream. So here's how it unfolds. In John chapter 11, it says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. To Judea. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack just in this first section. First of all, how amazing is it that Jesus spent all this time with his disciples and he still had to explain himself multiple times? If you feel like you're taking crazy pills sometime and you're talking to your kids and you have to tell them four or five things, know that Jesus went through the same thing you're going through with his disciples, all right? It's all, it all levels out. He's like, oh, you guys, how many times do I have to say this so you understand? Multiple times he had to do that with his disciples, so we get it, all right? Uh, here's the thing. Lazarus, Mary and Martha, they are all really close friends with Jesus. They spent a lot of time together. And so when Mary and Martha reach out to Jesus and they say, Jesus, Lazarus, your dear friend, he's, he's really sick. Come, come back and, and heal him. They, they, they have witnessed firsthand who Jesus is. They know him. He's their friend. They spend time together. And they know what Jesus can do. They've experienced it firsthand. They've been right beside him when he taught all the crowds. They've been front and center when he performed the miracles. I mean, outside of his disciples, these are his closest circle of friends. They've done life together. And so when they call for Jesus to come back, they're, they're expecting, hey, I got a relationship with you, man. Come back, your friend Lazarus, he's hurting. They're kind of expecting like immediate results. Like, come on, man, let's go. And Jesus is like, I'll be right there. But that's not what happens, is it? I, Jesus takes a couple extra days where he is before coming back. And it's in that two-day period that Lazarus actually dies. And what's crazy about this is that Jesus is fully aware of everything that's going on. He lets that happen. I mean, you talk about a broken dream. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot that is emotional that, that hurts. And I think we have to recognize right out of the gate that broken dreams are really painful. They're really painful. I, 
sometimes life hurts. And that's for everybody. Everybody is going to experience pain at some point in time. But I want you to know today, I want to affirm you, God is in your broken dream. And something that I want you to think about, just, this is a thought and something that stuck with me over the last few years as I ran across it. Someone much smarter than me came up with this statement, but it's really true. Can you just think about the reality of this statement? God is not as concerned about what you are waiting for as much as he is concerned about who you are becoming while you wait. Can we just stop and process that for a second? You're experiencing a broken dream. That broken dream is painful. I want you to know unequivocally that God cares about what you care about. When you hurt, he hurts. And we're going to see that as this story unfolds. But as much as he cares about you, as much as he cares about what you are going through, he cares much more deeply about who you actually are. He cares about who we are becoming while we wait, while we experience broken dreams. He uses those opportunities for us to grow. And I want to encourage you today that, man, God loves you with an extravagant love. When you experience pain, it hurts the heart of God. Keep in mind that that is never how it was supposed to be. Can we just stop and talk about this for a second? Because this is heavy. When we talk about people experiencing broken dreams, and we talk about the pain of, of loss and, and our health goes bad, we lose a, a loved one, know this, that when God created everything, the heavens and the earth, when he breathed life into all of mankind, that was not his plan. It says in Genesis 1 and 2, man, God created everything and it was good. There was intimate fellowship with God and mankind. There was no death. There was no sickness. There was no evil. There was no suffering. That's the world that God actually created. It says in Genesis 3 that that's when Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit, and that's when sin entered into the world, and that's what broke everything. When sin entered into the world, death and suffering and all the evil that goes along with it, all the ramifications, that is when those things entered the world. That's, that's the result of God giving man free will, the, the choice to love him the way that he loves us. So know this, that's not part of God's plan for us. That's not how he created it. And a lot of times people ask this question, it's a huge stumbling block for their faith. How could a loving God allow such pain and evil and suffering? Well, God didn't create that. We, we brought that upon ourselves. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to redeem that, to fix that, so that we can be reunited with him. And that's what heaven is. Heaven is the new heaven and the new earth created to be who God originally intended us to be. That's why Jesus came and suffered and died, so that we could be redeemed. I mean, ultimately, we're the broken dream that God redeems. It's you and me. That's the love that he has for us. And I just want you to know today, you are incredibly loved by God. He loves you so much. He, he's willing to do anything and everything for you. And I want you to know that in the middle of your broken dream, he's there, and he deeply cares. Now, it's still painful. Broken dreams are painful, and we got to be honest about that. It goes on to say this, and this is an interesting response in verse 17. It says, when Jesus finally arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. I mean, you talk about a delayed reaction, right? Jesus is their friend. Jesus, come back. Lazarus is sick. We need you. He doesn't get there till four days later. Like, for real? Are you kidding me? You can kind of understand Mary and Martha are not really too happy at this moment. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. 
And what you see here is, is people processing their grief and their pain in two different ways. And, and I want you to know today, that's normal. When you experience pain, when you experience and you're walking through a broken dream, people respond differently. And sometimes that causes tension because people don't understand why people are responding differently than they are in a painful moment. But I want you to know that's part of the grieving process. I mean, they've kind of classified the five stages of grief that you kind of walk through when you experience a broken dream, when you experience a painful situation. The first stage of that is denial. I mean, that's where shock, the shock of the situation, it just paces your feelings. That's really all you can feel. You're just in complete denial that something like this could even happen in your life or to you. This, this is the kind of thing that happens to somebody else, not to me, right? I'm in denial. But then the next step is you start to feel anger because you feel all of these emotions suddenly. They're coming at you, but it's mostly pain. And the response is anger. And that's where the questions come out. You know, where is God? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? That is the pain of a broken dream. And that's a part of the process of, of figuring out and walking and working through the grief. A lot of people get to this phase of bargaining where you make a deal with God, right? Like, God, God, if you can take this away from me, I promise I will go to church for 52 straight Sundays and we'll make this happen. We'll make this work, right? Like, you should do that anyway. But the reality is we start to bargain and make negotiations. Oh, God, I'll do this if you do this. And we feel like somehow we can make a deal and, and, and everything will be okay. But then you work through that phase and honestly, it there's always a phase where you're just kind of dealing with depression because you're having to wander and walk through the present and, and grapple with the loneliness and the emptiness that comes from walking through a new normal. You're dealing with pain. You're walking through a broken dream and, and you're not okay. But I want you to know there is hope. I mean, you, you work through the stages of grief. The final stage is acceptance. It's, it's learning to live in this new reality. It doesn't mean you're automatically okay, but you are able to get to a place where you experience joy again. And I want you to know today, if you're walking through a broken dream right now, that you're gonna be okay. Man, God still loves you, he's still with you, he deeply cares about you, he deeply cares about what you're going through. And it's never gonna be normal, it's never gonna be completely okay, but you're gonna learn to love again, you're gonna learn to experience joy again. It's gonna be okay, you're gonna make it. These are the stages that we work through, and I think the reason that it's so difficult to work through it is because broken dreams are not only painful, but they're deeply personal. This isn't happening to someone else. This isn't some just abstract idea or thought of something bad happening out there in the world. No, this has happened to me. And so broken dreams are intensely personal. This is my life. God, how could you allow this to happen to me? And so in this story with, with the friends of Jesus, Mary and Martha have responded differently. It says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But she responds with faith. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else, is, else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I mean, what an incredible statement that is from Jesus. Let's not miss that one. That, that's one of those iconic statements of Jesus that happens in the middle of a broken dream. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who brings life. What an incredible statement. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. 
Everyone who lives in me will believe and never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. But when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. She doesn't have the same statement of faith afterwards. She's responding differently than her sister. She's struggling. God, where were you? Jesus, I thought we were friends. If you cared for us, if you would have come here when we asked you to, this wouldn't have happened. It's a broken dream. It's painful. And it's personal. And we don't always have the answers right in front of us, but I, I want to encourage you today. God is in your broken dream. We have uh, some dear people here that are part of our Crossroads family who have shared a story with us. And we're going to share this story with you in just a moment. It's a story, it's a story that... it. It experiences the pain of a broken dream. It's deeply personal. But it's also a story that emphasizes the fact that God is with us in the middle of our broken dreams. And when you're talking about a broken dream, you guys, it's, it's tense. It's, it's difficult to lean into. And yet, God is the God who redeems broken dreams. And so I want you to think about the reality that God is with you in the middle of your broken dream as we watch this story together. I was about 21 years old, I found out I was expecting our first child. I was elated when I found out I was pregnant. I told Justin by, I wrote out, I'm prego on a pizza. <laughs> and one ultrasound was great. The second one, they found out there were severe issues and they recommended we abort the baby. We didn't agree with abortion, so we proceeded. Pretty soon we were going to find out exactly how bad it was. There were issues with her heart and her brain. That's really all we knew. I don't think they wanted to tell us. I mean, we prayed about it and we were both in agreement that I don't think we would feel right if we put an end to this life before we knew. So we just let God have it. It was hard. <laughs> I was hopeful until the day I had her. So in January of 2012, it was January 28th, um, we had Remy. I was put under because things were just not going right. So I don't really remember meeting her the first time. They showed her to me and um, they immediately took her away uh, to a different hospital. When they, they took her out, she had some water on her brain. Her, her head was very large, and immediately the mood changed in the room, and I could pick up on body language. I, I was in shock. I, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to tell my family. Um, couldn't talk to Jamie. So it was just a waiting game at that point. Until they 
started to do more testing and they found out that she was actually born with toxoplasmosis, um, which is a fatal disease in infants. This case was so rare, they couldn't explain why I got it, but they did say I must have contracted it early in the pregnancy because it was very bad. Like this was the worst case scenario. So I really started to lose hope quickly. Why us? I mean, we go to church, we pay our tithes, uh, we're not bad people. We did the first parent stuff, you know, the speaker on the tummy, we felt the kicks, everything seemed normal. And then the day she came out, it just turned us upside down and I was, I was bitter, I felt helpless, you know, just, just pleading with God. So Remy was in the NICU for a few weeks. She scared us many, many times. Uh, there were times where she stopped breathing for multiple seconds. I was so angry. Um, I did everything right in my pregnancy. I had faith in him. She started to get better. I mean, it looked like she was gonna get to go home and we were actually able to just before she turned a month old. I was feeling very hopeful at this point. We had a one month old party for her with all of our family. After having her home uh, for a little bit, we had to call 911 because she stopped breathing. The ambulance ride was so long. <laughs> I just kept, I kept looking back at her and I'm just, willing her to breathe. I think she passed within 30 minutes of us calling. We had a funeral service for her. It's like I wasn't even there. I was just so numb. Holding her for the last time was probably one of the worst things because I knew I would never see her face again. I was trying so hard to just memorize every part of her, but I was extremely resentful. I just, I still couldn't believe that God would do this to us. I didn't trust him anymore, and I questioned who God says he is because I didn't believe it anymore. It helped when I found out I was pregnant again um, about six months after. We were like almost past the first trimester, so we decided to tell everybody. A couple days after I found out I miscarried, that was a pretty deep blow. I thought I might not ever be a mom again. At this point, there was no question that I, I hated God. And I tried really hard to trust God again. I found out I was expecting a third time. I didn't really have much hope. I didn't think this baby would make it until he did, and we have Dallas. I finally started trusting the Lord again. The verse that he revealed to me was Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I clung to that verse with everything I had. I still felt that there was something missing. I had what I thought was a selfish desire to have another girl 
in 2015. I was expecting for a fourth time. I was happy. So I'm sitting in the backyard in a bench. All of a sudden, there was this rush of wind. I audibly heard God's voice. And he said, this is your girl. It was the most beautiful moment I've ever had in my life. So the day I found out, I knew it was a girl because the Lord said so. When I would have her, I would have to have a C-section. The only day the doctor could do it was March 7th, the day I lost Remy. That's not coincidence. No, not at all. Um, it's definitely a God thing. I felt like he wanted to bless us for trusting in him and his plan. It turned such a painful day into a day of healing. I mean, it was God's promise being fulfilled. He never abandoned us, even though it felt like it sometimes, he never did. And he just, he has unimaginably good things planned for our future. I tell you, it's, it's not easy to lean into a broken dream. It's just not. It's hard to grapple with the whys and how could God let this happen. And yet, I, I want to remind you and I want to encourage you today. You guys, God, God is in our broken dreams. And I think it's when it hurts the most that we have to recognize those, those beautiful moments in life often rise out of our broken dreams. Because those are the moments when God proves his faithfulness to us time and time again. And I want to encourage you today because you're not always going to know the why. I, we don't have that luxury. On this side of heaven, we're not always going to know why God allows something to happen to us, what we're experiencing, what the purpose of it is. But God is the God who redeems the broken dreams. He is the one who brings dead things to life. And I want you to know that today, whatever broken dream you're walking through, he's with you. He loves you with an extravagant love. And I want you to be able to cling to the joy and the hope and the peace that comes from walking through that, that broken dream with him. This story that, that Jesus is part of is another broken dream. And when Mary comes to Jesus and, and just says, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Where were you? God, why did you allow this to happen? I want you to note the response of Jesus because this is significant. I think this matters. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. That's a fascinating response from Jesus. He sees his friends who are hurting. He, he sees his friends who are living the broken dream. They are in pain. It is personal, and he is directly facing the results of the broken creation that, that he had made. He's dealing with just all of the fallout of sin and evil and suffering. And notice, Jesus is not okay with it. Anger, it says, just started forming up within him. He gets angry in this moment, and, and he is not okay. He is deeply troubled that the people he cares about are hurting. Just, I hope that you know that this just emphasizes Jesus deeply cares about you. He cares about what you are going through. He's with you in this moment, and he cares so deeply about who you are becoming while you wait. But it says that as he welled up with anger, he was deeply troubled, and he said, where have you put him? 
They told him, Lord, come and see. And then it's the shortest verse in the Bible, but it is so incredibly powerful. It says, then Jesus wept. He experienced the pain. He experienced the loss. Lazarus was his friend. He was angry. He was troubled. He cried. I, just, I think we need to lean in and see the human side of Jesus to see how much he cares so that you know how deeply you are loved. He cares about what you care about. He cares about what you are going through. He wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Can we just have one moment of levity here? In the old King James, this is where it says very clearly, but Lord, he stinketh. That's the old King James. So just know, know that's how it breaks down if you ever want to sound smart. Yeah, and actually in King James, it says he stinketh. It's, just, it's kind of a fun thing. Okay. But she's pointing out the obvious, right? Like, God... He's clearly not okay. He's been dead for four days. What are we doing here? Jesus wasn't stopping. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Can we just think about that for a second? You're walking through a broken dream, but if you're willing to surrender that broken dream to Jesus, I mean, Jesus is saying, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory? God's glory, if, if you believed. Can I just impart that, that promise onto you today? That you're going to experience God's presence with you, that you're going to see him reveal himself to you if you're willing to surrender your broken dream to him? Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all those standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. That's a powerful moment. A little bit scary, right? I mean, it's Halloween weekend, so we're talking, oh, okay, Let's see what's going on here, okay. Uh, <laughs> Lazarus, come out, and the dead man came out his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. I mean, you talk about God revealing his glory. You talk about Jesus redeeming a broken dream. You talk about Jesus being the resurrection and the life, the one who brings dead things to life. Jesus proves in that moment that there is no broken dream that you're facing that he can't redeem. And I just want to encourage you today, God is in your broken dream. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He's with you. And he loves you with an extravagant love. And listen, the difficult things that we have to grapple with is we might not always know the why. We not, might not always understand what this journey was all about or why we had to experience it, but I promise you that if you, if you keep pressing on, if you continue to just put your trust in Jesus and surrender that broken dream to him, he will reveal his glory to you because that's who he is and that's what he does. 
And so as we close today, I just want to invite you to think about in your life, what broken dream is it that you need to surrender to God? My goal today is that there's going to be a few people here that are joining today. I mean, wherever you are, whatever your broken dream is today, my goal is that you'll be able to surrender your broken dream to Jesus and that by doing so, you will experience his glory, his power, his presence right in the middle of your pain because that's who he is and that's what he does. He brings dead things to life. And so I invite you today to, to surrender what you're holding on to to Jesus, to invite him right into the middle of your broken dream. And as we close today, I don't want to take for granted that you've already started to, to build on this relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've, you've been walking through a broken dream and you're realizing, I need Jesus. Well, that's where the journey starts. And I want to give you the chance to, to join <laughs> the family of God to say yes to Jesus and let him change your life. Allow him to bring what's dead in your life to life and to fully experience his power and his presence in you as he forgives you and sets you free. That, that's where this journey begins. And then whatever brokenness that you're dealing with, boy, when you surrender that to Jesus, that is a truly beautiful moment where God shows up and he changes everything. And I want to invite you to experience that moment today. The first thing I want to do is give you a chance to say yes to Jesus. Crossroads, can we stand together wherever you are? Would you stand in this moment? And if you're here and you're saying, I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to put my trust in him. I want him to forgive me. I want him to set me free. Would you join all of us in saying this prayer together? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. He is the God who changes everything. He is the God who brings dead things to life. Can we give him the praise and the glory today? Because there's no one like him. There's no one like him. And he cares about what you care about. He deeply cares, and I, I want you to know today that as much as he cares about what you care about, he cares much more about who you are becoming while you wait, while you walk through the valley, while you experience and navigate those broken dreams. And that's why I think it's incredibly important that when we are walking through a valley in life, when we're experiencing a broken dream, that I say, Jesus, I want to invite you right into the middle of my broken dream. I'm giving it to you. And so as we close in worship, as we talk about the holiness of the Almighty God, the one who brings dead things to life. I want to invite you, Crossroads, to respond. If there's a broken dream that you can't stop thinking about today as we've talked through this process, if there's something in your life that you just need to surrender to Jesus, invite him into, into the middle of where you need him to show up and, and just reveal his glory to you. I'm going to invite you to come forward. Our staff is here at the front of the, of the stage here of the room. They have the anointing oil. And listen, when you get anointed with oil here at Crossroads, I want you to know this isn't a magical potion, okay? I get a Halloween weekend. I get a, not a magic potion. What it is, though, it's, it's a symbol of surrender. It's a symbol of just the presence of the Holy Spirit resting upon you. And so in this moment, when you surrender and say, God, I'm inviting you into the middle of my broken dream, when you are anointed, you're going to be anointed with the mark of a cross on your forehead. You're going to be anointed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is your moment of surrender. 
It's that moment of symbolism that says, God, I'm inviting you right now in this moment, in the middle of my broken dream, I'm surrendering it to you. And so as we sing, I'm inviting you, come forward, be anointed, invite Jesus into the middle of your broken dream. Can we pray together before we sing? God, I just thank you that you are the God who walks through us, through the valley with us. God, that you are the God who heals, that you are the God who brings dead things to life. And Jesus, you are here. You don't leave us. You don't forsake us. You are with us. You love us with an extravagant love. And so, God, I just ask that you would allow us to not hold on to these broken dreams, to not try to walk through the valley ourselves, but, God, to invite you into the valley with us. You're already here. God, help us to be willing to let go and surrender the pain, the hurt that we're experiencing and to give it to you. And God, in doing this, God, I I ask that you would show up in a great and mighty way, that you would reveal your presence, you would reveal your glory to each and every person, God, who surrenders this to you today. And God, we love you. We praise you, believing that you are who you say you are and that you love us with an extravagant love. And so we love you and we praise you. We pray this in your name. Amen. I invite you to come forward and be anointed while we sing this song together.